Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However you're tuning in right now, you're either on Facebook Live, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, wherever you're getting the live show. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here with Tyler Steggy in the house. We also have our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Cross, joining us for this live show. And then we also have a special guest also joining as well, the host of Philly Sports with Giovanni, Giovanni Hamilton. And before we start this show off, I have to play one thing that I have to have the whole audience here because I don't know if anybody's heard it yet enough. Giovanni was on CBS Texas or Dallas, whatever, and he had an interview about his video with Dak Prescott. So I'm going to play the video for everybody to hear because this was awesome. It's not natural for an Eagles fan to like anything about the Dallas Cowboys. But what, if anything, did you see that made you – feel some empathy and sympathy for him. He's just playing football. It's it's nothing personal against him. It's just he's a human being too. It's just he's on the wrong team. He's he's on the wrong team, ladies and gentlemen. Giovanni of Eagles Fairbase went on in Texas and told them that Dak Prescott <laughs> Plays on the wrong team. That is what you like to hear. That you can't rep a fan base any better than Giovanni does. Also, but he he did it in a great in, in a very mature fashion. You know, he's right. He's a human being. You know, we, so what if he wears the you know he wears the wrong laundry? It's not his fault, right? I mean, he's a human. We don't you know wish injury on anybody. No, not at all. That video was incredibly touching, and you're rightfully <laughs> so going viral for it. But uh, that was an awesome response to get to them. And we're also going to give away a Darius Slade jersey tonight for the best question. Whoever asks us the best question, we will decide at the end of the night, whoever it was. And you get a Darius Slade jersey. So big night, big night. And we got, wow, look who even two did. We got Keon every year. What's going on, Keanu? And she goes, it's Gio. See, everybody's have to see Giovanni. He's making his first appearance for the live show. Let's get into football, guys. Let's talk birds. Giovanni. Said it's himself best, Ed. He recorded with Derek Gunn, and the first thing he says to Derek Gunn was, Travis Fulgham is a <laughs> gift from the football gods. I think, that's how, I think that's how Philadelphia is feeling this week. We're, we're really big on Travis Fulgham. He stepped up big time. Uh, we, Ed, what did you think, man? I know you had to be shocked. Well, I, I can't put it any better than that. He's a gift from the football gods. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, 
Sure, certainly caught me by surprise. I mean, you know, he's been with two teams before he came to Philadelphia. He was drafted by the Lions um, from Old Dominion, which isn't exactly a football factory. It's not Alabama or Oklahoma or Penn State. Um, and, you know, the Packers cut him, never played a game. And I never would have guessed he could have 10 catches in the game. Uh, just amazing. I mean, everything – I mean, he was open on some of those, so he's running good routes. But he also made some pretty tough contested catches too. And, um, you know, I you hope that the sky's the limit for this guy and he's only scratching the surface. But now that there's some film out there on him uh, and you look at the Eagles' other weapons, uh, it would help if they could get Deshaun Jackson back to kind of take – some of the heat away from Fulgham because now people know who he is and things might get a little bit more tougher for him. But I still think he's good enough. He's talented enough. He's 6'2", 215. He's got a good skill set. I, I think, you know, we're going to see, you know, some more good things from him in the future. So you wrote last week, actually, before anybody even suggested it, like, why don't we just move off the Deshaun Jackson, Alshon, Jeffrey Aaron? start working in these young guys. I think a lot of us are starting to feel that way. Greg Ward, I mean, the box score is not showing up, but he looks pretty good. And and Travis Fulham said the big time, when they get Jalen Rager back, that's an even more boost. John Hightower looks good running routes. Uh, still some rookie mistakes from him. But, yeah, it, I mean, I agree with you, Ed. I think rock with the young guys. See what the young guys got. I absolutely agree. What do you think, Gio? What do you think? I think that's probably true, right? Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think Alshon Jeffrey did us a lot of good, but you know he he we don't know if he's reliable now. Uh, same with Deshaun because Deshaun gets hurt fast, and yeah, I think we should rock with the new guys. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I agree. That's, that's a, I mean, that's pretty good. That's, that's I mean, excellent. I know Tyler's over there, like you know, Deshaun would really help right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but that I mean, that's a fair analyst, I think, because I look, these guys could be the future. I don't know if Alshon, Jeffrey, and Deshaun have a future here past next year, so I think that's what the logic that goes into that thinking. But Tyler, I mean, do you have some thoughts on that? You're shaking your head over there. I think you do. I'm have not some shaking my head. Like, don't create, what... don't create some drama, man. No, <laughs> um, no. I mean, I, I actually agree with everything. I mean, I, I, I still think there's a role for Deshaun. Uh, I, I'm very adamant about that. I think when he comes back, I have no interest in Alshon. Um, I think, I think Fulgham and and what Ed hit on and. I think the biggest thing, because a lot of people are questioning, I mean, he had 10 catches, so you have to question, like, hey, was this fluky or not? The cool thing is, is he got a lot of his production from the slot. And when you're 6 to 15, there's not going to be a lot of nickel corners who can get a hand on you. Uh, and I do think after watching a, his catches, I, I think he is going to struggle getting off press coverage. Um, but he's not going to see a lot of press coverage from the slot. And so I think his understanding of route concepts, and you saw the trust form with Wentz. Um, Fulgham is I, – I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, what Key's saying, I mean, yeah, it's – I love Deshaun too. And, I, I I mean, when he's on the field, he's electric, man. He's – what he does for a defense and what he makes a defense do and show and respect um, and open up for your offense, it's just kind of unmatched. And so, I mean – the idea of pairing Deshaun with a Fulgham um, even for just this year. And yes, I'm thinking just short term because obviously they're not going to cut Deshaun and cut Alshon. So there needs to be a role painted out. Um, 
So I'm excited to see what the receiver position does. It seems like there's some some uh, some versatility in a sense. Yeah, I like I like this. Uh, Fulgham and Wentz have wonderful chemistry. I thought that was a huge thing too because if we rewind and we talked about this on Philly Sports with Giovanni, if you rewind to that against the 49ers, Deontay Johnson was holding Fulgham on that touchdown catch a little bit, and when, that was an anticipation throw all the way. Wentz trusted his guy to go up and make the catch. He did. He got the touchdown. Ever since he goes into that Pittsburgh game, that's the guy he trusts right away. He's putting passes that we've seen like in 2017-type accuracy. Uh, I'm liking – I think Travis Fulton and Carson Wentz, you got to ride the hot hand. I think at this point, Carson Wentz's career, you don't, you haven't had a consistent wide receiver to lean on. You just have – it's always somebody in and out. Ride the hot hand while you have it. Continue to go with the guy that's making the plays and until it doesn't work anymore. So I'm, I'm complete with this. this. It's The chemistry that they have is insane already, especially given this offseason. We talked about it I – mean, excuse me, this season – we talked about it numerous times on the show. These guys aren't getting the same camaraderie that they they used to be afforded it's, to. It's only but, he's, he was here. He, when was he signed, Ed? Like the sixth of October. Uh, Fogum? No, he he came to camp on August twentieth. Oh wow! Um, okay, I'm three true. days after uh, phase three started, when we were allowed to watch practice, it was August seventeenth, which was a Monday, and then all of a sudden we come out to practice three days later, and we're like. You know who's this guy? Who's this really tall guy? So we had to go to the PR people and ask who he was, and they said it was Travis Fulgham. And we're like, okay, you know, he's going to get cut. Uh, he's just a body. He's just here to catch passes. And sure enough, he was cut. Um, but they brought him back. And Maybe that's the date that I remember. Is the sixth yeah, when he was activated brought, or something? Yeah, I mean, I could look. He's been. He's been. I he think was cut, and then he brought back to the practice squad, and then. You're thinking of like the day where they brought him up from the practice squad. Yeah, that, that's probably it. I could probably find that here quick. But, um, you know, when you talk about what he did in Pittsburgh, you know, Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh coach, talked about him after the game. wasn't even prompted. He brought up his number, number 13. And, and then he was asked, like, how well did he know him? How familiar with him was he? And he said, well, I knew him when he was at Old Dominion because Tomlin's a Virginia boy. But he said – Globally, globally, we didn't really know him, didn't know anything about his resume. So he caught the Steelers off guard, there's no doubt. And that's not going to happen again going forward. So we're going to see, you know, just how sharp this chemistry is and, uh, you know, how much ceiling Fulgham has. Uh, he was he was brought uh, – he was signed from the practice squad on October 3rd. You're right, Tyler. So okay, in October, like uh, he was signed from the practice squad. I, I just think it – for the people questioning whether it was fluky or not, if you look at, like – Last year with Deontay Burnett and Greg Ward, despite the success that Wentz had, it still wasn't anything like this connection in right. Pittsburgh. And it's not like Pittsburgh has just a, a crappy secondary. I mean, there's Joe Hayden. Uh, I mean, it's 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 respectable. Um, so I think the connection, and again, what Key said, I mean, the connection there is you can tell Wentz is already saying, hey, like I'm that third and 17 opposite hash um was absolutely nuts. I mean, that's something that you saw with him with Deshaun in week one against Washington last year. I mean, that is that is trust. And I think that that's what Wentz has lacked the most is, yes, there's lack of talent and everything, but he just needs a guy that he could rely on. And the fact that he was relying on a Greg Ward last year, it says a lot. So um, to have a guy as talented and as big um, as Fulgham is huge. Yeah, well, that – that's what I liked about him, too, is he made – I mean, that throw you're talking about, Tyler, he was open. He got open on that. But what I like about Fulgham and why I think it's not a fluke um, 
is the way he's able to make those contested catches. I mean, he uses his body pretty well uh, to keep the defender kind of away from him. And he goes up and he gets the ball. The ball just looks like it sticks to his hands, um, which is which is something we haven't seen a whole lot from, a, you know, these 24 receivers that Wentz has thrown to these last two years. I mean, he's, he's thrown to 24 different receivers in the last – two years. I mean, that, that's crazy when you think about it. And, and that's why we're all excited about Fulgham because finally we think, okay, now we have something here. Let's see if we can build on it. So do you think Jalen Hurts should get some like consideration at QB1 or? I'm just... <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> I'm so glad we're off that conversation. Like, I'm so glad that that's not even like here anymore. Like Wentz is here to stay, man. He's played so well. That game against Pittsburgh, man. Gio, did you watch? I mean, like, what do you think of Wentz? You think he's improved? Yeah, he's improved. Uh, like me and Connor talked about earlier, I think towards the beginning of the season, I think he was hurt. Uh, as you can see in these past few games, uh, he's been rolling out and running more. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the truth. I I did question the groin injury to begin to start it out because he wasn't moving out of the pocket. He looked like he was afraid of contact, afraid to get hit. Now he just looks like he's playing like himself. He's playing the way Carson once expects him to play. But I got to tell you guys, I think this is becoming the Travis Fulgham brawl. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading the comment section. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, switch up questions between, but it's all it's Travis exciting, Fulgham. Man. Like, I mean, it's think about the – like, we've been deprived. Like, I mean – the oh, last so since since twenty seven. Jeremy Macklin was the Jeremy Macklin was the last wide receiver to post a stat line like that. I mean, I know Deshaun went off Washington week one, but I mean ten catches for 152 yards is a Jeremy Macklin type stat line. It's it's exciting. I mean, when you're it's exciting team, because you could you could possibly have your future X. This team has been struggling to find out the future X. It was supposed to be JJ Sega Whiteside. We were completely terrified now because we don't know who it is. Then this kid comes up, catches a clutch touchdown against San Francisco, and then he goes into Pittsburgh. Nobody knows who – people still don't even know what number he was. And like he's saying right here, that pass over the middle was insane. Yeah, the contested catches, you that's talent. That's yeah. talent. And then Carson Wentz trusts the guy. You see, you saw what happened last year, Greg Ward, when he started to trust the guy. He went heavily to Greg Ward. That's going to be Travis Fulham for these next couple games. Even with Alshon and Sean coming back, Ed, I know we'll get into the press conference today. I'm not worried about Doug Peterson's comments at all because Carson Wentz – Usually does the opposite what he says anyways. They're always talking up J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Never see Carson Wentz really target him anyways on game day. So, really, I don't, I'm not concerned about Alshon Jeffrey coming back. I'm not concerned about Deshaun Jackson coming back. Jalen Rager, I think, is going to be a good boost. And then that's the youth you want Carson Wentz to build a repertoire with. But as this season goes on, as these games continue to go on, these next couple of games, it's a, it's the Travis Fulgham show. And Carson Wentz to continue riding them. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and you mentioned Rager. I mean, I think Rager is due back probably after the bye, uh, which means two more, uh, what, two, three more games. Maybe he comes back November 1st for the Cowboys. I doubt it. They have three more games to the bye, well, and they're all at home. Baltimore, the Giants on a short week Thursday, and then the uh, the Cowboys. So I, I think Rager will be back after that. I think Deshaun will be back sooner. Uh, I'm not so sure about Alshon. I mean – at practice today, it was interesting to see Deshaun Jackson was the first one in the receiver rep line when they were doing the individual drills, which is all we're allowed to watch. Inside info each time, which to me is kind of an indication that he could, he's probably going to come back, and and maybe he's coming back Sunday. Alshon, though, on the other side of it, he was the very last guy 
in line in the receiver drills, which shows, you know, that indicates to me mm. he's probably not ready. And Fulgham was second in those receiver drills. It was Deshaun, Travis, uh, and then I think Greg Ward was third, and then J.J. was fourth, um, and Hightower was in the mix there. But it was to me it was always Jackson first, Jeffrey last. And that shows me a little something that it could be Jackson ready to come back against Baltimore on Sunday. Can I ask yeah. Ed something? Yeah. Ed, do you what? think that uh, – <laughs> what? <laughs> He's tired of me. Do you think no, Do you think that uh, – it's always a pleasure, by the way. I took work off because I heard you and Gio were on tonight. I was like, man, I got to get on. Um, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's a lot. I am honored to be on with Gio, to be honest. I, I love it, man. Do you, you look great? You look great too, Gio. Dude, the green the green room is just bonkers. Yeah, by the way, it's just it's so bonkers. Awesome. Um, he did, just pre show. He just goes, "Hey, by the way, I'm ready," and just it just, just turns green. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I, I wish like, everybody don't saw quit that. Flexing on me, man. Sheesh. Um, but I'm, my go ahead. What's your question? My question is: Do you think that because I I saw somebody ask about Zach Ertz and I. I think that he's still getting open, but I do think that he's had some letdowns this year. Um, do you think that he's letting the contract negotiations affect his play? I think Zach is very unhappy, and I think that that shows itself in his body language. I mean, he just, you know, and I think his teammates see that. I mean, you watch him in the games, and, he, you know, he just looks frustrated. He just doesn't look himself. And I'll say this again about practice today. Uh, as we were leaving, when we were being escorted out, uh, Zach caught a pass deep down the middle, um, you know, against air. But then he just kind of he, – he walked very slowly back to the line of scrimmage from the end zone about 40 yards away. He just, you know, just kind of looked real slow. And then he got to the line. He took his helmet off. Um, meanwhile, a lot of guys were catching those passes and, and running back to the line of scrimmage. But, you know, I just think his body language just shows you how unhappy he is and um, you know, look, I, I think Zach has been a great representative for the Philadelphia Eagles for the last, you know, seven, eight years, I guess, eight years since he's been here. And it just, to, to me, it looks like it's, it's run its course and he's just not happy and he wants to be gone. And you wonder how much that's impacting the rest of the team, because, you know, he's, he's a pretty popular player in the locker room and his teammates see what's going on. And, um, you know, you see what's happening there and they, they probably feel badly for him and, um, maybe some of that negative energy that he's emitting, whether he realizes it or not, is affecting the team. Yeah, yeah. and the frustrating thing is that's kind of – I mean, you just took everything. I mean, it's it's noticeable on the TV broadcast. Yeah. Like when you watch Zach Ertz, it's, he looks like he's just – Nobody un- has – Nobody has brought up that practice thing, though. I, that's the first I heard that yeah. today. Well, yeah. well, it today. It was just today that I noticed. And, and you know, you don't see a whole lot of practice because they don't show you a whole lot. Um, they do show you some special installs, which are kind of interesting. We've been able to see some of the installs that they do, and they've used them in-game. Um, for instance, that jet sweep that Adrian Killens ran a couple weeks ago, they did that during practice. We're not allowed to talk about them or tweet them or anything like that. Um, but they did have that install a couple weeks ago. And it lost 12 yards against San Francisco. So today, I can't say what I what I saw, but you know, there's some interesting twists that the last two weeks when we've seen some of these installs, they've used them in games. So I expect to see uh, a little bit of what we saw today during these installs. But that that Zach Ertz thing with the body language today was something I noticed as we were walking out, 
and Zach was, you know, 10 yards away from me as I was coming behind the end zone. And he just kind of walked, you know, very, very slow walk back to the line of scrimmage, just kind of, you know, didn't I really think it, seem like he was with it. I think it says a lot. I don't know if you guys remember the play against Pittsburgh, but it was the throw when Wentz escaped and he threw to Fulgham and he almost dropped it, but he ended up catching it. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I take every TV broadcast with a grain of salt, but they mentioned that. I mean, they said, you know, hey, he normally goes to Ertz here, and he decided to go to Fulgham. I mean, I think that says a lot. And, like, again, I think you're seeing it on Ertz's body language, which is crap. I mean, I'm I'm all about, like, players first and, like, getting your money. But once the season started, man, and there was an offer, and, I mean, at this point, it's done. you got to produce now. I mean – the negotiations are over, and it's a little frustrating to see him. It, I mean, it is it is apparent. It is visual. You could see it, uh, and that's. I wanted to get your your, uh, yeah, I guess your view I, on I agree. that. And, and you wonder how this season's going to impact his, uh, you know, his 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 desire to get out of town or whatever uh, a trade possibility might be. You wonder if teams will look at him and say, you know, is, does he have anything left? Because right now it doesn't really look like he has anything left. I, I'm pretty sure he does. It's just this whole contract thing and his unhappiness with what's going on uh, is weighing him down. Um, I don't think his skill set has eroded any. Um, I just think that his I, heart might not be into it. Completely agree. So I guess for the question on the screen, we all agree. Last year in Philly. for Yeah. It's, yeah. We're all it looks that, on that way. And, and yeah, if you yeah. asked me four months ago, I would have said, hell no. But – it looks that way, I which mean, is nuts. It's looking that way. Well, I, don't, I don't want it to be the end of the Zacherts. I, I know. We don't. I really don't either. I don't know if I can fully, honestly, and this isn't even from a fan's point of view, the guy is a high possession receiver. He's the most reliable target through and through. He's the only receiver that the defense has really take seriously. I know San Francisco didn't do anything crazy against him like people keep pointing to, but they had Fred Warner and Quan Alexander. They didn't need to. Those guys are really good coverage linebackers. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, Micah Fitzpatrick was all over him all day long. I, it's a really great safety. So, uh, I mean, it's a shame. I think it's yeah. I think it's a whole the whole situation is a shame. But I think he's a really great player, and it's hard to, to lose him. Hang on to those memories, Gio. I don't know how far back you remember. You probably remember the Super Bowl year. Yeah. Um, so just just hang on to those memories, man. I mean, Zach's still going to be around. He's just he might not be wearing the eagle eagle green anymore, but uh, you can still be a fan of his. He might be with another team. You can watch him and still root for him, um, even though he's not wearing the right color laundry like that. Got, you know, uh, still you can still root for him and still remember what he did for the Philadelphia Eagles for his time here. Yeah. Giovanni actually has Nick Ertz, uh, his brother, on his show on Friday. Oh, Philly awesome. Sports with Giovanni. So he actually did an interview with him so that you guys can check that out everywhere for our podcast. But, Ed, I actually have the question to ask you real quick. Uh, so I know Giovanni has to get off soon. And I want him to hear this question. But uh, you and I heard some things about Lane Johnson. It hasn't really come out that way besides what you reported for Sports Illustrated. Is is there is there still like – is there a chance it's a broken shin? Or are we – like is that – like the second opinion came back and it's all good there's no broken shin? Because I mean, uh, you and I both heard it at the same time, and then I texted you just to make sure before I thought anything. And I mean, we're waiting on the second opinion. Uh, have you heard anything else? That, that that's my understanding is there's no surgery that's going to be needed, um, but he needs to shut down and 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 rest this thing. Uh, the shin, 
Um, I can't say for sure it's fine. Uh, I think there is an issue there, but I don't think it's the a surgery type of an issue. I don't think it's a near cast, you know, six week type of an issue. I think what Lane needs, in my understanding, is is he just needs rest, and the playing through this is no longer uh, an option because it's becoming more and more difficult for him to uh, push off of that ankle. Uh, and now you throw whatever shin issue is in there; it's just not feasible. And you know, Doug Peterson said today that he's still in the day to day realm, which to me is just I don't know, not not smart. I don't think. I mean, I think you have to do what's best. For the player, Lane Johnson is as tough as they come, and he's going to want to play through no matter what the injury is, right? So you're going to have – you're the coach, man. You're the one in charge. You're, you're the medical staff. You have to say, no, you can't play because of this, and you got to shut them down. you got to rest them. Um, but they did make Jack Driscoll available on the Zoom with reporters today, which was interesting, which kind of indicates to me that maybe they've kind of surrendered to the idea that Lane needs time off and they're throwing Jack out there to answer questions about – uh, you know, how his season's going. So I, I suspect that he's going to probably sit at least for Baltimore. And if you're going to sit him for Baltimore, you play four days later, why not rest him for the Giants game too? Just go to the bye. Hopefully November 1st against the Cowboys. Yeah. Jack Driscoll's yeah. playing fine. I have no problem That's with that. Yeah, it, I think Jack Driscoll honestly is better than – I mean, it, this is a – it's kind of soon to say this, but – he Andre looks Dillard. like he could be – no, not Andre Dillard. Oh. He looks like he, he could be even more serviceable than Big V was. Oh. Uh, I, Jack Driscoll looks I good. I have, yeah. I have no problem with Jack Driscoll playing. I think it's better for Lane anyways. All right, guys. I got to get off. Hey, you got, got right, homework? Gio, you got homework? No, I got to go to bed. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good seeing you. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah, Gio, you're definitely coming on the plan. live shows from now on. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right, Gio. We'll see you, right. buddy. Good luck to whoever wins that jersey. Uh, yeah, there you go, buddy. Good job. Bye. Bye. See All right, what so. What a great kid. He is a great kid. But Jordan Malata and Jack Driscoll are crushing it. I absolutely agree. I And Jeff Stoutland is going to put the guy in the best position no matter what. I think the best thing for Lane to do, because I honestly think that I mean, I trust who I was told. And then I, I went to you and you coincidentally heard that the same thing. If there's anything wrong with the shindy, I shut him down. I shut him down. I, I'm trying to like, put together, like, how can you mistake a broken shin for an ankle? It's got to be a high ankle sprain. But he's right? always had that like, the, the ankle. Only he, had, he had an ankle. There was an ankle issue going into the – before this injury even happened, though, in Pittsburgh. But yeah. the a high ankle sprain could be worse than a broken shin, right? Well, he I'm had the surgery. They, the surgery he had in August, that tightrope surgery it was called, was designed to help the healing of a high ankle sprain. That's what tightrope so surgery came is. back. And then he um, just – go ahead. I think that messed him up, man. I think that surgery in August is, is what is causing the problem. I mean, you know, there's a high risk of infection. He had a cyst drained. He had six cc's of fluid pulled out of a cyst uh, the day after the Cincinnati Bengals game. I mean – to me, if you have a high ankle sprain, yeah, you, you could miss six weeks, seven weeks. But if you just ride with it like he had in August, you know, he might be healthy by now if he didn't have that surgery. Um, but he had the surgery. Uh, to me, it just hasn't healed the way it's supposed to. He went to see – to get his second opinion came from uh, Robert Anderson, Dr. Anderson in Green Bay, um, who uh, is a renowned foot and ankle guy. He's operated on high-profile athletes in the past uh, in that area. So uh, – 
that's still the issue. It's still the ankle, I think, more than the shin. And the only way it's going to get better, I mean, he has, he's been in and out of games every start that he's made, and that doesn't right. do him any favors, the team any favors, and especially Jack Driscoll any favors because it's tough to come in cold. Driscoll, a, you know, I prepare like I'm a starter all the time, but, okay, it's great to prepare, but then you're sitting on the bench and you're trying to stay in it mentally, and the next thing you know, you're trotting into the game with no rhythm, no flow. Um, that's tough, and that doesn't do him any favors as a rookie – to bring him into that situation. To me, it makes the most sense to do what's right by lane, shut him down, get him help as well as you can, and let Driscoll start. Know that he's the starter on Wednesday rather than, you know, Sunday in the second quarter. Okay, hey, you got to go out because lane's coming off. Yeah, and everything in football is rhythm. Like, right. like everything is rhythm. And so bringing guys in and out of a lineup is just not going to do any good. So, like, I just don't understand with – Driscoll showing what he did week one against Washington. Why not be careful with Lane? Like, and I know it's easy for fans because we're all tired of this. The, the, the injuries lingering for the last three years, like it's, it's frustrating and, but we're not there. We don't know the details. So it's very Mm -hmm. easy to criticize, but we don't know it. We don't know the details, but it is, like you said, it's frustrating. Like, I don't know. I don't understand. Like I I want to play in place. Here's what it could be is it's hard to get your head around the fact that when you look at the Eagles' offensive line, you have Jordan Mulata, Nate Herbig, Matt Pryor, and now Jack Driscoll. And when you're a coach and you're the staff and you're you're thinking, my God, we had Brandon Brooks, we had Jason Peters, we had Andre Dillard, we had all these guys healthy, Lane Johnson. And now, look, we got all these young guys out there. It's hard to get your head around that. So they're they're probably hoping, hey, at least Lane gives us a little stability. And I would love if it was Driscoll lined up next to Brooks rather than Driscoll lined up next to uh, Matt Pryor, who I don't think is really um, kind no, of come he's, as well. He's as been awful. Hope. Matt Pryor has been bad. Yeah. I actually they his play so far has shown me why they went to Nate Herbig over him immediately yeah. without hesitation. And I think Driscoll would be the guard if if uh, he didn't have to play tackle. I mean, I think Driscoll would be your right guard. If you can't thrive under Jeff Stoutland, you just aren't in the NFL. Like you just, (laughs) by the way, whatever he's making, he deserves double it because that is like maybe arguably the best position coach in the NFL. He's nuts. He's nuts. Like how is Jordan Malata like just turned into like a serviceable starting left tackle, which is like one of the hardest positions to learn. And then you have like Jack Driscoll just stepping in like, uh, and I saw somebody ask about, Andre Dillard. The cool thing is, you don't have to move on right now. Just relax. It's really, yeah, I just it's relax. Really, I can't. Just relax. It, anything that we anything that we answer right now is just a complete guess. I mean, yeah. especially with how this team is going at offensive tackle lately, with putting the backups in anyways. I don't. I don't think that they would make that decision right yeah. then and there. It's just too early. But are, Ed, are you surprised about Jordan Bolada's success? Because I'm. I'm like, I am. I'm for sure. I mean, I think we all are. But it, yeah. He's surprising. He's still new to football. He's still fairly new to football. I I remember his first practice. He told us he had to figure out how to put his helmet on. He didn't know how to put his helmet on. I mean, really, dude? I mean, he was serious. He didn't know how to put his helmet on. Uh, You know, he had a shoulder pad. This is just 2018. Um, So, you know, it's funny. And Jordan, you know, listen, Jordan to me is just a terrific uh, person. Um, And he's been blessed with size. I mean, 6'8". Uh, 346, and like Lane Johnson said last week on Zoom, if he's 340, he's not 346. He's bigger than 346. 
Um, I mean, to get around him, you almost have to go to Australia and come back just to get around him if you're rushing the passer. I mean, that's how big that guy is. So I am very surprised, absolutely, at Milata's success. And I said to somebody today, he might be turning Andre Dillard into a guard, you know, uh, if wow. he continues on, you know, at this accelerated pace. Um, you know, he, he didn't play as well against the Steelers as he did the 49ers, but the Steelers' defensive front is one of the best in the NFL. And, and this week's going to be a challenge. Uh, with the way the Ravens like to blitz their cornerbacks. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, very – they're really going to have to hit the game plan hard and uh, get up to speed on some of these blitzes Baltimore's going to throw at them. But but after that, I don't, you know, look, this is a growing process for him, and I like the way he's growing. Uh, Dakota's asking how did Hakeem Butler look so far. Actually, yeah, Ed, have you seen Hakeem Butler yeah, practice? I, wonder, yeah. I was wondering how that was going. Yeah, I saw him drop two passes today. Um, oh, right. So we're going to end that right now. All right, let's move on. Uh, not, not moving good. on. What, yeah, this model said, yeah that, that's enough. I already need to hear about anything else of that. That sounds bad already. Let's move on. Sorry, Dakota. That question is not going to count. Uh, yeah, so what's up with the Miles Sanders? Like, come on, man. How are we going to talk him up as a feature He's back bad, at the press bro. conference? And how- yeah, shout no. out to Ty Johnson saying he's bad. Did you see that, Ed? Did you see the 97-point? It starts with the name, uh, bro. The name has bad takes attached to it. No. Yeah, did you I see that? He's ripping Miles Sanders. Yeah, it was uh, the guy that does the show for 97.5, Ty, Ty, Tyrone Johnson. Yeah, the Tyrone Johnson. He he, <laughs> he said Miles Sanders has been bad this season. I had to laugh before I said it. <laughs> the, the funniest thing. I could not thing, believe that, man. He literally said thing, that, and then I'm – there's like so many, like so much blame to go around, but like I never would be like, you know what, Miles Sanders deserves some blame. Like he just hasn't played bad at all. Like there's just so many other issues to worry about, you know? Like yeah. I, I will say, I think Miles needs help. I mean, I agree. They love no, it three down back, but you know, you look at Corey Clement has 11 rushes, Boston Scott has 18 rushes. And I had my hand raised in the Zoom meeting with Doug today, didn't get called on. Um, But I wanted to ask him, like, Doug's philosophy his whole time here has been this running back by committee approach, and he sold me on that approach because it keeps guys fresh. And I I thought it's a great idea. Yeah, sure, rotate two, three backs in. Throw a curveball with a Boston Scott or a Darren Sproles. They don't have that. And and I wanted to ask him, like, why the philosophical change? I mean, I know Sanders they view as a three-down back, but, but that was a formula that worked for Doug and worked for this team. I mean, they won a Super Bowl with that running back committee approach. I, I don't understand why they got away from it. And I see this question here with Corey in Boston. I mean, Corey, I don't know if you saw against Pittsburgh. I mean, he whiffed on a on a uh, pass block in the I'm game. I'm done. I'm done Terrible. with that. I, I think it's a waste of roster spot at this point. I think for the Super Bowl, bud, but, I mean, you're not he's contributing the, at all. He's the first player in NFL history to get worse with dreads. Yeah. Ever. Uh, <laughs> Ed said yes. I got a quick yes so, out of Ed. <laughs> actually, I am – I am surprised that it took this long. It took 34 minutes for somebody to ask this question, finally. Le'Veon Bell, anybody? Liberty Bell, yeah. um, Um, A vet needs to be here, and I agree. Like, I agree with all of that. I mean, you can't say he's a three-down back and then say he's fatigued at the end of the game. You can't. There needs to be. This, he must be fatigued every game then, because right. we're using him like the feature back. You're saying in every press conference, they, they knew not to call on you today, Ed, because they knew you were going to ask about the running yeah. backs. Well, <laughs> and and you know we well, have. I, like, I watched the press conference today when it was live, and I think it was Timmy Manis who asked about 
uh, the running back room or adding to the running back room. And Doug immediately looks at him with a puzzled face saying, who said we're in the running back market? Yeah, well, he did. <laughs> Doug did. Yeah, literally, he did. Yeah, he, he literally he said this. Carlos, Carlos Hyde. Um, but at this stage, you know, I think bringing in Bell, I mean, Bell's a feature back. I, I'm not sure he would mesh well with Miles Sanders at this point. Um, but no, but I, I, Chicago's going to be all over him. I, I think Chicago's going to be all over on Le'Veon Bell. When I mean, the, the, I've heard the Chiefs have already, I've seen rumors on Twitter that the Chiefs have already been on him, but, uh, there's no way he wants to come here and play with Miles Sanders. Here, here's what I would do. I would call Miami and see what they want for Jordan Howard. I mean, Howard was here last year. Jordan Howard was inactive. Uh, you There's know, no way Howie's doing that. They're not no. even how he would how he would get just like killed for it. He would probably be fired from fame. I know, but man, he's he was he was good here. He led the team in touchdowns last year with seven. He only played ten games. I mean, he's, the guy he's literally was perfect. About to say, that's he's that's all he's doing in in Miami right now is getting these goal line touchdowns. And, but he didn't even play. He wasn't even active uh, against the 49ers this past week. Right, weekend. right. So he's not even that. in the lineup. I mean, this guy can. What the Eagles need to me is a hammer between the tackles that can soften up a defense, maybe wear it down in the fourth quarter, uh, and and they're not as anxious to make tackles or they're too fatigued to get to a guy like Miles Sanders all of a sudden in space is faster because the defense is a little more worn down because you've given the ball five, eight to eight times to a, a hammer between the tackles like a Jordan Howard. Or I would even see what Elijah Holyfield can do. You're, you're sitting there. He's sitting there on a practice squad. Um, he had a great camp, in my opinion. He's a bigger back. He's a guy that they could use between the tackles. He's not a get outside and, you know, like we saw Miles doing that 74-yard touchdown run. He doesn't have that skill set. But he can be serviceable to wear a defense down, give Miles a little bit more time on the bench to just watch a couple plays here and there, and then that makes Miles more effective. And if the defense is a little more worn down, that makes Miles even more effective. Everybody hates – go ahead, Connor. I'd rather figure out if Holyfield can do it than give up an asset for a running back. Like, that's just not happening in my opinion. You don't do well, that at all. And I think the issue is, I mean, Ed just hit on it. I mean, all of these guys, even Sanders for being a bell cow, he's still a – he's not a guy that is just going to punish defenders. And I think when you saw Blunt and Ajayi, Ajayi. those guys are, like, attacking defenses – and everybody hates like second and long runs by Doug, but like him being stubborn with that is like, it's going to have a long lasting effect on the football game. And I feel like the team's not getting that. It's like, if they're having pass success in the first half, they're not killing teams in the second half with a run game. And I think that also we talked about it plays into the offensive line with the injuries, but having a guy be able to pick up four or five yards rather than lose two, because you're trying to, shake in the backfield it's just yeah. you have you have three guys who are very similar you know i mean i i do think sanders is obviously the better running back than sure. both boston scott and and um cory clement but i mean as far as styles yeah i i would love to see holyfield too i mean or anything just somebody who's going to punish defenders because doug peterson is a guy who runs the ball to open up the pass at least he has in the past and he doesn't have that that ability now because when Sanders is getting gassed, Boston Scott's been – that's probably – like if I were to I, – I, again, this is just off the top of the head, but if I were to make like a top three to five list of disappointing Eagles this season, Boston Scott is probably up there just because he's brought nothing 
from the backup running back position. Like he's there. Has there been one moment or one run where you've been like, man, he's back? No. I mean, he's been really no. bad this year. And he showed no. a lot of flashes last four weeks last year. And they put a lot of stock in that. And I think that's why they didn't bring in a vet. And when you have him underperforming, it's like, man, like you can't spell Miles Sanders. When he's not on the field, this team is one-dimensional. They're not running the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. I mean, that's a big thing. I think they do need another running back. I've said that. I, I, I said I even took the I think three episodes back now. I said, all right, I need to take my L for everybody to listen. They need another running back. Uh, if you don't feel Miles Sanders is fully healthy and you're worried about him long term at the end of the season, why don't you have another back that you can trust him? Because you're not like Ed, I think you said 18 carries for Boston Scott and 11 for Corey Clement. That's nothing. That's no, nothing. No, not two guys. That's like not to have the running back by committee approach. And to me, yeah, you could say Boston Scott's disappointing, but um, I don't think he's. I mean, he's a change up back. You know, he's a he's a change up guy. You know, I'm not hating on him. Sorry. I just – that, that wasn't my intent. No, I know. But there's nothing to change up. I mean, the offense is is the same. I mean, to me, Miles Sanders is a thoroughbred, man. He needs to get out and run. You need a plow horse that's going to blast through the middle and try to soften up that defense, even if it's one yard, two yards. You need someone to do that, to hammer into a linebacker, into a D tackle, and maybe wear them down. Uh, and then the fourth quarter – then you can turn the thoroughbred loose and let him get out and run. And then all of a sudden he's faster than what he is because defenses are slower because they've been getting hammered um, by that up the middle back. I just think maybe they overvalued Scott thinking he was more than he is. And if that's the case, then they don't understand the personnel. That's that's an Howie Roseman problem. Uh, this is a good question that's coming up ahead. What did the Eagles do in the offseason? Completely new coaching? Because I actually wanted to get into it now. Uh Ed, are you all? I mean, Jim Schwartz. I think is, you got to move on from defensive coordinator and get a new one. I think they need a new voice in there. He wasn't We've that been bad through... against Pittsburgh. Mm. He wasn't that uh, bad against um, Pittsburgh, man. We, he wasn't. We, I would love Ed's thoughts. I want to hear. You, you don't think Schwartz was that bad? I don't think so. Why? I think there were, I think there were a lot of third downs that were that were missed. Like I, I, I counted two Cravon LeBlancs uh, missed tackles on third and fours. There was one third and four, one third and five. And then, like, just blatant missed tackles. Like, he has a chance, and he just doesn't wrap up. Players in the right position. Um, and then the PIs on uh, Darius Slay. One of them was a really bad call. Um, oh, and then yeah. you have you have Darius Slay against Chase Claypool, a rookie, and he does an out and up against Darius Slay on a third down, and they pick up the first down. There was just a lot of I, – I think Schwartz has not been great this year. I'm not saying that he's been good. Um, but I do think the criticism, like with the Nate Gary, that's tough. Cause I mean, that play specifically, and I want to break, like break down that play, that third and eight Darius Slade just, just got hit in the head. And so he'd been out for that entire series. And so everybody was like, why is Nate Gary being singled up? Well, Rodney McLeod had to single or had to cover Jalen Mills on that side. And they were playing cover two in a sense, cover six in a sense, but they still had responsibilities, but there was just a lot of breakdowns, man. There were a lot of breakdowns. And then like on a third and nine, uh, Malik Jack or Fletcher Cox or Malik Jackson jumped offside. So it was a third and four. Um, There's just a lot of breakdowns. And, and then to top it all off, Big Ben was just locked in. I mean, there were some throws that Big Ben made and I don't like making that like excuse for a D coordinator, but I mean, it's not as if they did, they didn't get pressure on uh, Ben Roethlisberger. They got pressure. They sacked him a few times. Once. 
once. I think one got pulled back off off penalty. But I mean, I don't know. I, I I think they generated pressure. He got the ball out really quick, and Big Ben had a really good game plan. I think. I don't know. I I I if they there's just no way they can move on. This defense isn't in any way better shape without Shorts this year than with with. They're not better without him than with him. That's All right, hey, let's get your thoughts. I'm, re- I'm ready to hear what you got to say about it too. I, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just I always feel like I always hear these stats because first of all, it was the first time the Steelers scored thirty plus since 2018. Like that, I feel like I hear that uh, mixed with Jim Schwartz's defense way too much for my liking since the Super Bowl. Uh, but again, I just let's hear it, Ed. Let's see what you got to say. Let's hear yeah, your thoughts. I, well, I mean, listen, I think. Schwartz's fatal flaw is that he just plays favorites. You know, he falls in love with guys like Jalen Mills. I mean, Jalen Mills, to me, uh, did not play a very uh, NFL-style cornerback corner against the Steelers. I don't think he was very good. He's terrible. Um, you know, and I, but, but Jim loves him. Um, you know, he, he was asked about the rookies. Are Sean Bradley or Kayvon Wallace ready to play more of a role? And he said when they're ready, they'll be in there. So clearly he doesn't trust his rookies, but he trusts Marcus Epps, who – to me, another guy who shouldn't be on the field other than special teams. I mean, he played over 70% of the snaps. He made one tackle. Kayvon Wallace played 13 snaps and made three tackles. I mean, I know tackles aren't the be-all, end-all. Uh, more, there's more that goes into it. But to me, if you're Jim, you, you, you have to trust the guys that are given to you and not play favorites. I mean, you have to um, start to see what other guys can do because, to me, he's just – he's not – to me, I don't think he's really um, – he, I don't think he's doing that good of a job uh, calling the plays. I think he misses Malcolm. I think when you talk about that third and eight play to Claypool when Gary's matched up on him, I think Malcolm Jenkins probably recognizes that. I don't know why Rodney McLeod didn't call switch out of that defense or do something different, get out of the quarter's defense. I mean, that's, a, that's the safety's job to do that. Um, and Jim was asked, well, why don't you take a timeout? I asked him during his press conference, well – why wouldn't you take a timeout? Do you have to run that through Doug? And he said, Doug is in charge of all the timeouts. He goes, we have to execute the play that's called. And the play that was called, obviously, you could see it wasn't going to work. We, we, in the press box, we're like, why is Nick Gary lined up on Chase Claypool 10 yards away from him? I mean, that was a disaster. Um, and I think we've just seen Jim's defenses. He's not doing a good job of stopping these misdirections. We saw the Rams kill them with the misdirections. We saw the Steelers use their wide receivers and the jet sweeps. They're, they can't stop that. Um, I I think this team probably needs a new voice. I don't think it's going to be Doug. I think Doug gets another year. But I could certainly see if this defense doesn't turn itself around a little bit. I mean, you can't give up 38 points to a Steelers team like Connor said that hasn't given that up in 23 straight games. I mean, that that's, that's an embarrassment. Uh, whether Jim's making the right calls or he doesn't have the personnel. If it's personnel, you got guys on the bench that how we drafted. Let's see what they can do. You can't say it's personnel if you're resistant to change the personnel. So it falls on Jim. And I, I think that there, there could be a change. I mean, I really do. I think that if this thing doesn't get turned around and this defense doesn't play better, then I think Jim could be the guy that goes because I don't think Howie's going and I don't think Doug's going. Yeah, I don't want Dan Quinn though. That's for that's for sure. I don't want Dan Quinn. It, they're just this this defense is because I'm I'm not happy. I'm not like they just gave up yeah, 38 to Big Ben, and I said this was a good matchup. Like I was like I was like, man, I think they could get after Big Ben. They should be able to get pressure. He sits in the pocket. Yeah. Um, 
And that's it, the problem with Jim's defense. Sorry, Tyler. I just think that he, he puts so much emphasis on that front four or five. And if no, and I agree. Home, I agree. Then that I, exposes the back end, and the back end isn't real strong. I mean, you need to have representative play at all levels. The real issue, the well, real issue it sounds is like he's trying to. It sounds like he's trying to cop out of personnel decisions too. And I'm like, no, 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 he's always done that. He's always done that in pressers. Uh, I know there's a lot of scrutiny in these pressers now because the team's struggling. But the, our Jim has always said, leave personnel decisions to Howie or Doug. He's always said that. At least, or Stanley, or correct me if I'm wrong. Ed, but at least uh, in the, the ones that I've tuned into, um, he's, always, like he's, he's been pretty consistent with that. So I don't, and Jim is also somebody who's owned up to like against when, when they played Cincinnati, he was like, yo, that's just on, or again, uh, uh, excuse me, against the Rams. He was like, yo, that's just on me. Like I, I had a bad game plan. Um, so, I mean, this scrutinizing press conferences could, could be all well, over the place. And I was going to ask you because it kind of led into uh, him saying that kind of goes a little bit into what Jeff McQueen is reporting on 97.5. I don't know if you heard it, uh, but he's saying that how he has say on the inactives, actives, the personnel decisions. And then there's been reports out there stating the same that he has say on who plays and who doesn't. Uh, I mean, you cover the team. Is that is that anything you would come across? Uh, yeah, I don't know where that information that he got came from. I don't know if it's true or false. Um, you know, I, if it's true, then that's something Jeffrey Lurie needs to handle because I don't think your general manager, who's an analytics guy, uh, and is beholden to analytics should be deciding who's playing. I mean, that's the coach's job. I mean, you, you build the roster as the GM, you decide who the 53 players are. And then you turn it over to the coach. So if that's a true report, and I don't have any indication that it is or isn't, uh, then Jeffrey Lurie needs to attack that and and talk to his general manager and make sure he understands that that's not your role. That's what we have a head coach for. I agree. I, I mean, I've heard I've heard GMs have say in it. I don't think I've heard they should be involved in the combos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, yeah, if, if the yeah, maybe on the inactives. I'm not sure who plays. I, I mean. I think this is classic Philadelphia being frustrated. It's they're they're one three and one, and it's trying to dissect why they're one three and one. And a lot of the fan base is upset with Howie Roseman, and a lot of the fan base is upset with Jim Schwartz. And I think a lot of the blame is going to go to those two right now. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a big defender of Howie Roseman, and I mean, there's definitely things that. He has not been great at, and then same thing with Jim Schwartz. I mean, you you made a lot of good points. Ed. It's not as if I'm, I don't want to sit here and, and make it seem like I'm on the Jim Schwartz bandwagon, um, but I do think that there is context to everything, and I think Big Ben played a hell of a freaking game, and I think people need to understand that. I mean, when you find a hot quarterback, and the the thirty point statistic, well, they didn't have Big Ben for most of the year last year, um, and again, I'm not saying that allowing thirty eight is okay because it's not. Um, but when you lose, I don't know. I mean, the, yeah, that last play that was dissected for, for, for Nate Gary on that third and eight, I mean, they were out of Darius Slay there. So the safety had to cover corners too. And it would have been a very easy thing for them to, to attack with Juju or with Deontay Johnson against a backup corner. Was that Craig James? Who was the yeah. backup corner? Yeah. Like, I mean, and he was getting cooked. I mean, he got a lucky PI. 
Chase Claypool, they called that PI where he didn't even actually push off. Um, it was a badly officiated game, really. It was. You're not wrong. There was and a think, lot of bad, yeah. Yeah, Moira there just brought up a good point, too, that as far as the defense goes, I mean, it yeah. is undisciplined when you have these offside penalties. I mean, there's there's not even any, um, any really fans in the stands. I mean, I know Steelers had – 4,800 people in the stands and they were, I think they were piping in some noise too. So um, that might've impacted it, but it's not like you have 70,000 people there waving their terrible towels. You, you shouldn't have these lining up offsides penalties. I think there were nine penalties called against the Eagles and eight of them came on defense. And, and, you know, you could question some that PI on Darius Slay in the end zone, you know, that ball was headed out of bounds. I've watched it several times, bad call. Um, but I just think that, a lot of those, and I don't know the number, but Moore was right. They had a lot of offsides, um, just undisciplined play. And and maybe some of that comes because Jim does put a lot of pressure on his defensive line to get home. So they're doing whatever they can. They're trying to get every advantage that they can to get home because they are the engine that drives that defense. Uh, and, and if it's not getting home, you see what happens. They give up a lot of points. Are are we expecting Will Parks to be back anytime soon? I feel like the, yeah. the answers are always so vague. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he'll be back this weekend. They're going to wait and see how he practices this week. Um, last week we saw him on a side field working out. Today we saw Avante Maddox on a side field kind of doing some light jogging, which is a good sign. So he's on IR. I think this will be the third uh, week that he misses. So he could potentially be activated after this weekend. If he's, if he's ready, um, that would certainly help. Uh, you know, is he better than Jalen Mills? Probably at corner. And then maybe he can move Jalen back to safety and then Will Parks. Yeah. I think, I think there's a good chance he plays Sunday if he can get through this week of practice. Um, I didn't notice what he was. I didn't, uh, check his name on the injury report today, but um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Let's see. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even – I don't think – it's probably said limited, to be honest with you. For who? Will Parks. For Will Parks. I didn't see. I wish I had an answer quickly for you guys. Yeah, he, he's, he's not even on the, uh, on the injury report, and I guess he doesn't have to be because he's really not on the 53-man roster. Oh, uh. You know, he's sense. kind of been, yeah, he's still on IR, but he's got a three week window now. So, um, and we didn't, I didn't really see him at practice because what they really show us is the wide receivers and the special teams and the quarterbacks, but they, the defense and the O line are working on the other side of the field where you can't really even, uh, see them unless you have, you know, some high powered binoculars or, you know, superpower vision. Um, so I don't, I don't know what he did in practice today, Will, but I think he'll be back. I, I do think he'll be back. So they've opened up two roster spots. They, they, they waived Casey Tuhill, who was picked, up, picked up by Washington. Washington. I, think, yeah. I think if there's any week for Will Parks to come back, I mean, if there's – because I was thinking in my head, like a lot of teams will bring a fifth rusher to kind of spy Lamar. They don't have a linebacker to do that. Maybe Alex Singleton, maybe because he's fast. But to me, in my head, I was like, Will Parks. That's a role for Will Parks to just kind of be that fifth rusher to kind of hmm. – just spy Lamar. Like, how else do you – like, I, I'm curious to see Jim Schwartz's game plan going into this game. That's a good point. Because um, I don't know how the hell you defend Lamar Jackson. He's so damn good. He's yeah. fast. You have to put a, a spy on him. Somebody's going to have to be the spy. you got to put, I... your, put your corners on islands, and I think you definitely just stuff the box. 
Um, four running backs. The, yeah, the dude, J.K. Dobbs and J.K. Dobbins is nuts. And I don't, I, I, I watch the Ravens against the the Bengals, and they're gonna. I don't know why Mark Ingram's even seeing snaps. He's yeah. J.K. Yeah. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is a, a bruising, rolling. But I mean, that's the. the He's fast the too. Yeah. The, the Eagles concerned him. In yeah, that round, he was there, and they took Jalen. Uh, I I I do think he's one of the people, but you know who they really should have took? They really should have took Jeremy Chin. But let's Jeremy move Chin. on. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, uh, how do you think the Eagles match up against the Ravens defense? I think that's a good segue into it. Now we can talk about the matchup this weekend since Tyler already started off. I agree with this comment here, though. Don't underestimate our line. They no, this was yeah. Don't underestimate my line. We're just, I'm excited to see it. They could maintain. That's some Derek Barnett is good against the The run. only thing that scares me is the lack of discipline. Is this yeah. team is so upfield and Lamar is so good at finding a crease uh in one of the gaps. And that's the that's the one thing. You almost have to bring a fifth rusher against him. And I don't well, know. I'm I don't have know. To play discipline. You have to play discipline against a quarterback that can move and you know, the Eagles have shown that they just aren't very disciplined on defense right now. I mean, we see it with these – I mean, wide receivers lead, uh, you know, in rushing yards against the Eagles. I mean, they give up a lot of yards to these wide receivers uh, on these sweeps and these reverses, and the Eagles aren't disciplined against that. You see, uh, you know, Derek Barnett or Josh Sweat crashing down and the play's going outside of them. They're not setting the edge. You know, they're not aware of the play that's going to go outside. Um, and then they all bite on the play action. They're, I don't know whether they're trying to do too much or, or what the case is, but that 58-yard run that uh, Ray Ray McLeod had, there was nobody on that side of the field. They had two defenders out there, and they were both blocked. I, I'm surprised he didn't go all the way for a touchdown. Um, he got wrestled down at the three. But uh, to me, I, I just, I, I'm not sure how this Eagles offense, to answer the question about the defense with the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens have a very good defense that um, – probably some of the best cornerback play in the league. And they like to blitz those cornerbacks and they like to, you know, you look at their defense and it almost looks like they get running starts and attack the line. You know, they come from three or four yards off the line and get a running start up field. And, you know, that's be a big challenge for an offensive line that again, I don't want to underestimate the offensive line, but it is young. It's still growing. It's still learning to have, how to be cohesive. And uh, it's going to be a big challenge, just like the Steelers were. I thought they held up well more or less against the Steelers. I mean, they put up 29 points on that Steelers defense, which is pretty darn good. Um, So I think the offense is finding itself a little bit. I think they can score points on the Ravens, um, but they're going to have to be creative in some of the ways that they do it. And I think we saw a little bit of creativity in these installs that I mentioned earlier today, a practice today that I can't mention what they were. But, you know, there were some interesting designs um, on some of the plays. Hmm? Breaking news on breaking news on the stream. The Eagles are being getting creative. <laughs> we can't tell well, you how, but they are. They are. They were getting creative with Adrian Killens on the jet sweep in an install a couple weeks ago, and then it lost twelve yards. So, you know, <laughs> doing it in practice and then making it work in the game—two different things. Yeah, that is definitely true, my friend. But it's funny. Dakota's already calling, waving the white flag. Marquise Brown is going to have a 40, 40 yard end around touchdown. Yeah. If, the cool thing the cool thing about the Ravens is they they don't have much after Marquise in the receiving game other than Mark Andrews. No. Uh, and I don't think he's been I'm, playing that great this year either. He hasn't been playing I, the level that I mean, but I again, would, I would he's going up against Slater. Snake Gary and so I mean. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. Slay uh Slay Slay should follow Marquise. Uh yeah. he should. In, in theory if he plays. 
So um, has Tyler Higby scored another touchdown since he's been to Philadelphia? <laughs> Does anybody know? Probably not. Probably not. If so, it's probably one. He got but, his uh, season allotment against uh, Philadelphia, huh? That's a shame. Uh, speaking of the Ravens, though, their pass rush I think is beatable. Actually, I think Clayus Campbell will give the it will they, give the they bring, front. They bring cover zero more than anybody in the league. They right. they do not bring much pressure. You're you're so right. They do not generate pressure if they're not blitzing. Um, but it's funny. We talked about Travis Fulgham in the slot. They have the best slot corner in Marlon Humphrey. He see, I I think Fulgham lined up in a couple different spots. I think he lined up at X at the Z. He, I, I think well, he lined he, up everywhere. Yeah, he was yeah, he everywhere. Did. Yeah. So I I think you don't want to pigeonhole him to just the slot. You're right. And it's and it's it's kind of interesting to see him do that because you know. These guys that have come in here, Matt Collins, J.J. Ortega-White, they've struggled to learn, like, one position, and they're Somebody trying to force-feed them all three. And Fulgham comes in. He's been here, you know, two months, and he already knows all three positions. Somebody said that. I think it was Michael Kist. He said, like, I'm tired of hearing about, like, a receiver coming in and not getting playing time because he's cross-training when Travis Fulgham was here yeah. four months ago, and now he's playing. His route, you're, you're so right. Like, sorry, I shouldn't pin him just to the slot. He he didn't. He played he played left side, right side, slot. I think it was more of your surprise that he played this slot well. Yeah, I was I was I couldn't believe it. I, yeah. I, and you're exactly right. It, we're, we're so used to either Jordan Matthews has to play here, Nelson Aguilar has to succeed here in the slot, and then we finally see a receiver that goes on each point of the field and he dominates. And we haven't really seen much creativity on Doug's part, I think, because we always hear about oh, we want to move these guys around, we want to rotate them around, we want to put. I mean. You see it, but it's just so rare. And then Travis Fulton goes out against Pittsburgh, and he's all over the field. But, I mean, the catches this guy made. I mean, it's yeah. again, this is turned into the Travis Fulton uh, podcast. <laughs> but I, I could not believe he played that well. I think we're all still in shock. But I think the Ravens' defense was – I mean, Matthew Giron is a good pass rusher, but I mean, he's really their really most feared pass rusher outside of that. It's Clay's Campbell's going to eat up, eat up space. Uh, I'm not – I'm not too concerned about the Ravens' pass rush against the offensive line this week. I was more concerned about Pittsburgh than I would be about their front. Yeah, it's just the blitzing that concerns you. You know, it's, it the, the it's just the blitz. zero, and that's Pittsburgh? communication with the O line. That's yeah, communication. And but Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh sack went five times. I mean, they got to him five yeah. times. I mean, I'm, that's not good. Uh, I'm the and also what Pittsburgh was great at was disguising. I don't know if you guys remember in the first yeah. half, but I mean there was like a three man rush and Wentz was so confused and he got rid of it in like a second and a half and it was like, bro, you got so much time. Yeah, I think uh, you're going to see a lot of mixed looks from from Baltimore because when yep. you can bring so much pressure with uh, your secondary, um, it can cause a lot of confusion for an O line, especially in an inexperienced O line like the right. Eagles. Exactly. So, the Ravens know. The Ravens know that Jordan Mulata is starting his third game and played rugby three years ago. I mean, they, they know all about the Eagles offensive line. And they're going to test it. But they're good against a run. So I wouldn't expect like a heavy dose of, of miles unless the run game works early on. So we need a good we need a good game. I think, for, for I, think they can, I think they can beat Baltimore. I do think they can win this game. I think it's it really, very, I think it it's, really comes down to just if they can guard Lamar or not, and we'll, we should, we should, we should know that within the first quarter. Oh yeah, you'll know that in the first quarter. If he starts getting loose, then it's like all right, this is gonna be a long day. But yeah, I, I I mean I think they can beat him as long as they can take Lamar because I don't think the Ravens' passing game has been that good this year. So 
No, it hasn't. It hasn't. Lamar's taken a lot of heat for that. I think he was like 19 for 37 last week, and he said he had a stomach ache. You know, he had some sickness there. But, um, yeah, you're right. And I don't know. I think Tyler said it, that the receivers, they're they're just not there for him, you know, outside of, you know, Hollywood Brown uh, and their tight end. Maybe Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews, those guys. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a team that likes to run the ball and control the clock. And that's something the Eagles only ran 59, I think, offensive plays in Pittsburgh. They only had the ball for 25 minutes. I mean, the Steelers ran away with time of possession. And that's a problem, too, when you, it comes down to the running game. When the Eagles had the running back by committee approach, they controlled the ball. They led the league in time of possession or were top two, top three for a number of years uh, under Doug. And, and now we're not seeing that. Um, but that's what the Ravens like to do, like to control the clock, win the time of possession, limit the opportunities for the offense, the other team's offense. Uh, and, and they like to win games that way. I do. I do wonder if this this Eagles offense like kind of lacks an identity. Uh, like I, I feel like in 2017, they kind of had that identity of of just being, hey, you know what? We're stubborn. We're, we're still going to run the ball. And they, they stretch the field vertically. They could. But I mean, at the end of games, like. They were running the ball down teams' throats. And, I mean, they even did it in the Super Bowl, even when they had success with, with Nick Foles. They were still running the football well. And, they were top three in the league in rushing that year. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And I, 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 I think that, I mean, it's been an issue with Doug since he's got here. You know, you have to question, you know, are you getting away from the run too quickly, even when it's not had success? Yeah. Dakota's about to be in the leader house for this Darius Slay jersey so far because I these questions I've been coming across. I'm like, I don't know. I haven't really seen any. Uh, I want a Darius Slay jersey question. We've seen this. we've seen Miles Sanders on a wheel route. He uh, Carson Wentz just missed him. Yeah, what was that? Well, we haven't the Rams, seen it a lot though. It was yeah, it was against the Rams or the Cincinnati. The it might have been Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Cincinnati. But. Uh, I still haven't seen it a lot, though. I mean, that was one of the things that I mean, Miles Sanders for, I mean, really was the Eagles' best vertical threat last year. Well, outside of Sean Jackson's one game, he was asked about that today, Miles, and he, you know, and and it's the same reason they're giving for Zach Ertz. He gets a lot of attention, and that's why he's not getting open. And that's why Miles today says that it's because the linebackers are hitting him off the line, defensive ends are chipping him. Uh, uh, linebackers are playing closer to the line. More attention's being given to him. He's being tailed by other defenders, kind of like the spy situation with Jam- uh, Lamar Jackson that we mentioned earlier. He's saying that that's one of the issues. Is that now he's, you know, last year in the league, he said he kind of took it by surprise. Uh, people weren't ready for him, and now this year they're playing him differently. You know, and I hate that excuse. To be honest with you, I hate the Zach Ertz can't get open excuse because he's getting more attention. I mean, that's BS. Yeah, your your job as a coach is to find ways yeah. to get them open, to, to you know, to to find a way, and and they're not finding a way. If this is their excuse or their reason, then it's just not washing for me because it, that's that's a coaching situation. If a player feels like he can't get in a position to be successful, then then you have to ask the coach, well, how come? Why aren't I being successful? You, you know, you have to put them in a better position. Andy Reid talks about it all the time, right? You know, we got to do a better job. We got to put him in better position, and that's what they got to do. If Miles is complaining that, you know, he's getting all this attention, and Zach's getting all this attention. We'll find a way to beat it. Period. So somebody, 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 somebody said in the comments too, uh, Philadelphia, where the coaching never knows how to adjust. And I mean, that's been since Chip Kelly. the The common theme here is that these coaches aren't adjusting that well. Uh, I, I think it's been one of my hugest thing on Doug is. 
biggest knock on Doug so far is not being able to really structure well outside of structure. Like not really able to handle outside of structure well. Uh, when things don't go to his script, things start a little going bad. But I mean, I'm I'm not giving up on Doug Peterson. Though. Don't take those comments as no. me saying. And that's why you have assistants. You have assistant coaches to get in your ear and say, this is what we need to do. This is what we're seeing in the press box. Or this is what we're seeing on the sideline. You know, it's not just Doug. It's his staff that needs to help him too learn to adjust in game. And it, dude, again, beating man, beat man. Like, you even see a guy like Julio Jones, like, He's just in every different position on offense. I just feel like Zach Ertz is way too talented for them to just say, hey, we're just going to line you up here and you just beat your man. I mean, he's been a favorite target. Like, find some ways to scheme him open. And I, Zach Ertz is still getting open, by the way. He's not all of a sudden just lost his talent. Like, he's, he's, he's I thought Pittsburgh was the most time I've seen him open, to be honest with you. Carson I mean, and that's another thing with Zach is if he, the chemistry between the two of them. I mean, where did it go? I just don't understand. Completely out the window. It's so crazy. I yeah, think it's I a personal. I think it's a personal thing for Ertz. I think he really is upset, and I think it's affecting his game. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it's, that's frustrating. It's yeah, frustrating because we're we're like, I mean, we've been vocal fans. I mean, we are fans of Zach Ertz. I mean, yeah. he's a great player, great dude. Yep. Huge reason why there's a Lombardi in Philadelphia. Oh, absolutely. Pivotal, pivotal mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. And yep. I mean, this season, we were all talking about before this, before we even got into the season on this podcast, we were always talking about how he's going to take the Eagles reception record this year. And now we're, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's, yeah. they're, it's not, it's, yeah, he's not really part of the game plan at any point this season, even week one, even when Dallas Goddard was healthy. Have I ever felt this season? Was even besides that touchdown, because that touchdown in Washington was like the last read. Do I have I felt that Zach Ertz has been a part of the game plan? You know, and I'm looking at the stats here, and Zach Ertz has he leads the team in receptions with 19, which that that That's comes nuts. as a surprise for me. That Next does, yeah, is Greg Ward with 18. Um, but Fogel as far as your leader, was, was at 12, so he's not that far off in two games. Uh, He's at he, Fogel's at twelve in two games, right? Uh, yeah, Fogel's at twelve. So yeah, he's he's gonna catch up real quick. I can't believe he's leading the, leading the team with nineteen. Zach Ertz leads it. That's stupid. Yeah, but the yardage probably. Yeah. Oh my god, yardage, I think he's only got like one fifty or something like that. I like this uh, comment from. Well, hold on, I, I might have given you bad info there. I'm looking at last week's book. I don't think it changed much though, I mean, unless Greg Ward changed it. I don't well, think he had one catch last Yeah, week. Greg Ward had two catches, though. So he might lead the team now then if, with 20. He I don't know how many Ertz had. I Greg Ward, remember not, sorry. Redo. Correction. Is that, Greg Ward's got 22 catches. Ertz has 20. Um, and Goddard, 13. Yeah, I was looking at it, and Fogum wasn't even in there. Fogum had two. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not right. So now Fogum's at 12, so he's fourth most in receptions. But, you know, Zach's uh, yardage total, uh, it looks like to me, is second on the team. Behind Fulgham, who leads now at 209. Uh, and then Greg Ward's got, I'm sorry, no, Greg Ward's got 172 and Zach's got 145. So he's Zach's third in yardage behind Fulgham and Ward. Uh, it's surprising because, you know, he really hasn't been that involved and he needed how many catches coming in? 65 to break Carmichael's reception record in a career. So he's got 20. 
So he needs 45 more over the last 13 games here. Is that what it is, 13? 12. Yeah. Some people are even questioning if you should just trade him at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah, 11. Yeah, it is 11. Jesus. <laughs> it's Wait late, guys. My, our minds are fried. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, you may, that's a good point, Connor, because um, you wonder if they would trade him with Dallas Goddard uh, being out. I mean, are you going to trade Zach Ertz when you don't have Goddard and turn your tight end over to Richard Rodgers and Jason Kroom? I mean, that's That'd be tough for how he did. It depends. Yeah, it just depends where you're at in the season. Where like a, a mid-season tight end trade has occurred, like a, like a big one. Like I don't, I don't know if that'll happen. I mean, I could see a receiver, um, like a big name receiver, being traded. I just don't see. Even if the Eagles are sellers, I don't, I don't think that there would be a team like, hey, we got to go get Zach Ertz at the trade deadline. To, I think that would be more of a. There might be next year, but we'll see. We will. I mean, I mean, I just think if you go, if this season keeps going the way it's going with Zach Ertz, and you go into his off season and you do try to trade him, I can't imagine what teams would offer you at that point. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, there will be teams. I mean, Zach Ertz like adding another receiver. I mean, that's that's his forte. Is catching. oh, they'll be interested. I just, I think yeah. that when you look at the Eagles situation, the teams are going to be like, well, your cap sucks. You need picks. <laughs> Uh, and you want to invest in Dallas Goddard, obviously. So, yeah, we're not going to give you that much. That's what I feel like it's going to be. And then look what happened with Zach Ertz this past season. You guys completely showed the NFL that you're 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 trying to lean off him now. So why would we offer you that much for a guy that you're you you might be at the position of taking your best offer? Yeah, it's a tricky situation. There's no yes. doubt. I, I just don't think he'll get moved at the deadline, and I think Dallas Goddard's probably a big reason for that. I don't think Dallas will be healthy by the time the deadline comes up, and I don't think Howie's going to, you know, kneecap his team that badly uh, and run Richard Rodgers and and uh, Jason Kroom out there. To be honest, and I'm not promising anything, but all it takes is Ertz to have three really good games for. Fans to be like, hey, well, maybe there should be a- winning. Winning cures everything. If they start winning, I think it'll even help Zach out too. And if he does well in those wins, I think it just changes a lot. He needs, of a, what's he going needs on. a big game for his mental. He needs I, I'm going gonna, gonna to predict right now a big game for Zach Ertz on Sunday. I'm going to. I'm going to call the over under on receptions at six. I'm going to set the like over under receptions at six. I like okay. that. All right, I'm I gonna like that. Yeah. the touchdown too. I like that. I'm taking the yeah. under. So, yeah, I'm taking under two. But uh, Aaron Pugin asks, and I think this is a good question. I mean, this might be a contender now because, uh, again, now we all know Dak Prescott's out. Uh, the NFC East is bad, as usual. Uh, Washington with Kyle Allen, I don't even consider them a threat anymore at all. Do you guys think the Eagles can turn things around if, and that's a big if, everyone comes back healthy? I'm talking about Rager, Goddard, Isaac, Isaac Samalu, and Avante Maddox. I mean, I think with that, with the way the NFC is, like I just said, the way it's shaping up, I mean, you can win it maybe at 7-8-1 now. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities even when these get these guys back. That's just an extra boost. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's probably one of the biggest things I'm disappointed about with this season is not being able to watch Jalen Rager progress. I was really looking forward to, to seeing how he got better each week, how they used him each week. And, you know, we were kind of robbed of that, obviously, but – 
Um, now he's going to come back off of this injury. You know, how long is it going to take him to find his legs? You know, he just, he's not just going to step right in and, you know, be a star. I don't think it, 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 it'll be another building up process. So I think it will definitely help in a division that's not real strong. And you mentioned Isaac Siamalu. I think getting him back would allow you to move Nate Herbig back over to the, uh, to the right side, uh, and, put Matt Pryor back on the bench, and then I think your line's stronger. I think even with Jason Peters, if Peters were to come back at this point, you wonder if they wouldn't try to put him at guard because, um, to me, Matt Pryor's a liability on that line. I didn't even think about that. At this point. So, uh, yeah, I think Ziamalu would help. I don't know what the other players you mentioned. Maddox, I think, would certainly help. It would just give you a little bit more depth, too, to use. Goddard, I think Goddard would definitely uh, help. I think that's another receiving option. Maddox, Maddox helps because it helps out the safety position. We don't have yeah. to see Marcus Steps more. I mean, that's – I mean, it's. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not even trying to be like a, a hater, but, I mean, he's a liability. I mean, Nate Gary's getting a lot of slack, but – Marcus Epps deserves just as much slack. He's not had a good season at all. When I see 22 on the field, I get a little nervous. Um, I know. So, I mean, Maddox's injury is hurting because it's affecting two positions. Mills hasn't been good at corner, and the safety position is hurting. So, um, Maddox returning will be huge. Uh, And, yeah, I mean, Connor hit it. The, The division sucks. I mean, the division sucks. And football is football. If a team can catch heat at the right time, anything can happen. Like, I don't care what. Yeah. You got to get in, right? You got to get in the tournament to win. You have a chance. We're in week five. It, it, I, I understand everybody wants to blow teams out by 30, and it sucks we're having this conversation three years in a row. I don't like to have it. I would love to be four and one. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, if you catch heat, you get into the playoffs, anything can happen, especially if you have a really good quarterback. And Carson Wentz is a, a good quarterback. And if he gets in a rhythm, you got a chance. We'll see. That was a good question, Connor. Whoever asked that, that yeah. was a good question. I think is, that is the, the is the yeah. I think Aaron Puga probably is going to start. My vote was for Key just because of how involved she was at first. Um, yeah, good question. She too. was. She, but she didn't I mean, ask questions. She was just commenting, and I loved it. Yeah, um, she asked. She asked a couple questions though. She did, did she? ask a couple questions. That was good. But she did actually. I mean. Hey, it's everybody. It's our votes. This is this is our decision in here. It sounds like you guys are leaning towards Key. Key's in my vote. Key's top two for me. Key was always in the back of my head. I was like, man, she kind of deserves it uh, for her involvement. But All right. Well, I'm going with uh, the the most recent question. So that I puts like it that. on you, Connor, to break the tie. Thank God I'm, I don't have to do that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Key's probably watching. It's probably still watching right now. Oh, you know, I, I got to go with Key on this one there because she brought the whole interaction and she brought it with – she brought questions in though. She did ask questions. I, I just scrolled up. She asked like three questions. Uh, not only that, she brought a whole Twitch community in here. Did she? she yeah. She, like, she right. posted it all in there. So I think – That's if, it. She was involved, man. Cool, man. Congratulations, Key. Yeah. You know what? I'll be fair. We'll make – Aaron – We'll help you out too, man. Hit us up on uh, Eagles ah, Ball. That's we'll, what we'll, we do. Yeah, yeah, I think you know we're gonna make we're gonna make some day. I think we should give it to two. I think it's gonna be Key and, and Aaron. Uh, reach out to us on Eagles Brawl. We'll make it happen for you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I did not mean Ed and Tyler to take up your whole entire night. We went an hour eighteen minutes into it. I can't believe it. Uh, great job with you guys sticking with us and everybody else tuning in as well. And all the questions and Giovanni coming on was awesome. 
Uh, Ed, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk before the game. I'm sure we'll do another little quick pod before the game. So we'll get more focus on Baltimore uh, as the week progresses. But thank you guys for tuning in. Twitter, too. I mean, I like to answer fans' questions on Twitter as long as they're not. We all know that. Do we have to even announce that? You're the best. You're the most interactive beat writer there is out there. If everyone doesn't know that by now. You always have been, Ed. For real. Yeah, I've never. I mean, if I ever had a question. From the jump, man. You've always just. Yeah. it's, it's For someone that has your number, I mean, like. To text you and ask you answer right away too, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'll talk to you about the subject real quick." If and then I feel re-energized to talk about it in the podcast because I know that you feel the same way. So Ed's always the biggest help, guys. If you have any Eagles questions, go ahead. Just just go ahead and. Uh... Oh yeah, and then Craig even said it here too. Ed is why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it, man. Yeah, you gotta no, love you it. it for Craig's question. I don't remember what it was, but thanks, Craig. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.